Our Old Testament responsive reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. You'll find that printed in your bulletins. Hear the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, hear the gospel reading from John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then verses 19 through 34. This is the word of the Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, 
He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The Word of the Lord. We started a new series last week after we had closed the study in Revelation. Revelation written by the Apostle John. We now have come to the gospel written by the same apostle that wrote Revelation. So why did John write his gospel? If he were sitting in that chair and I were to turn to him and say, John, why did you write it? He would say, I already told you. It's in the book. Look at John 20, verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs. This is near the end of the book. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He wrote the book to prove to you, to show you the life of Jesus, to prove to you that he was the Son of God, the Messiah. If you're not a Christian, if you don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God come in the flesh, then John wrote his gospel for you. I wrote it, he would tell us, so that you might believe he was the Son of God. John set out to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and he does just that. He proves it. If you're not a Christian and you want to remain an unbeliever, then stay away from John's gospel because he will convince you. Christian, we should pay rapt attention to this study. We are living in a secular and anti-Christ culture bent on destroying the very idea that Jesus was a supernatural, in a, in a supernatural birth, was the Son of God. Our culture has been on destroying that idea. If you would remain stalwart as a witness in this present world, then you must be able to set these unimpeachable evidences to the world around you. I fear that most people cannot do that. And we can learn to do that through our study in the Gospel of John. So who's the first witness John called? He called a man known to the first century as John the Baptizer. Look at John 1, 6 and 7, and then John 1, 19. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. See this? And he's talking to John, about John the baptizer. He came as a witness, a witness to give testimony, to bear testimony about the light. And then verse 19. We read, and this is the testimony of John, talking about John the baptizer. 
So as he begins this unimpeachable evidence, he first calls on a prophet foretold by the prophets of the Old Testament, a prophet named John the Baptizer. Before we look at his testimony, let's pray together. Our Father, once more, we bow before you and we pray for our friend and your servant, Phil Halley. We pray that where he is right now, in the hospital, that you'll strengthen him, give the doctors wisdom, give them eyes to see and ears to hear, to do what must be done in caring for him. Father, we pray yet that you will restore him, restore his movement. We thank you for the improvement that has, that has come. And we pray that, Father, this will not stop the healing that has been taking place. Rather, Father, we pray that this would be used to increase the health, increase his health, increase his strength. Our Father, We've opened your word this morning. John Sartell cannot teach or preach so that it will make any difference in our lives. So that we will be changed at the core of our being. Maybe some of us for the first time. He can't preach like that. No one who stands behind this desk can preach like that. Father, we know you can teach like that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we sit before you now as your children, and we're asking you, our Father, to teach us. May we know when we leave here in a few minutes that we have heard your voice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the past, I have played a game with friends. It goes like this. We ask each other, if you could meet and know anyone in history, whom would you choose? So you try to choose someone, you listen to what others say, and then you try to choose someone that's better than what they've chosen. This week as I studied this passage, I was reminded of that game. In this passage, John the baptizer demonstrates that it is imperative that we know two people. The title of the message this morning is, Who are the essential people you must know? Well, John in this passage says there's two. In the many times that I have played that game, there's one name that I've never ever thought about as a name to suggest. I've never said, I would like to know John Sartell. <laughs> and yet, know thyself is a maxim that has been handed down through the centuries. It originated with the Greek author and playwright Aeschylus. He's known as the father of Greek tragedy. He lived 500 years before Christ. In his play, Prometheus Bound, Prometheus rails against the injustice of the gods. 
especially Zeus, as Zeus has changed Prometheus to a cliff. He rails against Zeus. Oceanus, another Greek god, comes to Prometheus and says, Prometheus, it would be wise for you to remember who you are and who Zeus is. Zeus is a god and you're not. Zeus is the chief god of the pantheon. Zeus could speak a word, Prometheus, and you would die. Oceanus is advising Prometheus, know yourself. Know yourself. Know who you are, Prometheus. Socrates and Plato picked up on this and adapted it in their teaching. Now, Scripture tells us that there's someone else that is even more important to know. We read it in Jeremiah 9. Please look at it on your Scripture sheet. Verse 23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God says, before you know anything and know anyone, or you boast about what you know or who you know, you boast that you know me. There's no more important person to know. John Calvin, in his tome, The Institutes of the Christian Religion, agreed with Aeschylus. He said, he opened in the opening pages of the Institutes, he said, it's important that you know yourself, that you know who you really are. Now, then he added this. Calvin said, no one can know themselves until they know God and who he is. It is in knowing God that we can understand that we're not God. It's in knowing God in the holiness of God, that we understand our own unholiness. So who are the essential people you must know? Know yourself. Know who you are. And then know who God is. And you cannot really know who you are until you know who God is. In the passage, why have I gone to, gone this length to say this? In the passage... Before us this morning, John the baptizer confesses that he knows who he is and he knows who Jesus is. Who was John the baptizer? Who was a strange prophet who appeared out of the wilderness? And that's where he had been. He'd been out in the wilderness, in the desert. There had not been a true prophet in Israel for four centuries, for 400 years. The last prophet had been Malachi. Malachi wrote the last book of the Old Testament. And the book of Malachi is followed by 400 years of silence. 
Then came John the baptizer. He was called John the Baptist or John the baptizer because he introduced a new baptism to Israel. Previously, the only people baptized, baptized with water, were proselytes. Those were Gentiles who had, come, who had become believers in the God of Israel. They were required to have a cleansing bath when they came to the faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now John came preaching that the Messiah was coming. Israel had looked for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. Just as we've been looking for his return, they were looking for his coming. And here came John talking about the Messiah. But John was not prophesying like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah and the other prophets of the Old Testament. Those prophets in the Old Testament were looking for the Messiah, but they were speaking of a time that may be decades or centuries away. In their terms, he was not there, not yet. And it could be hundreds of years before he came. John was saying, the Messiah, think about this. You've read Isaiah, you've read Jeremiah, you've read Micah as they talked about the Messiah. Here was John saying that the Messiah was right at the door. In fact, he was already among them. Look at verse 26. This is shocking. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He stands as one of you now. He stands among you now. John was telling them that the Messiah was already there. John also was preaching something they had never heard. The Jews needed, he said, that everyone needed. The Jews of Israel, the chosen of God, needed the cleansing baptism that had, only, that had been reserved in the past only for the pagans after they were converted. He insisted that everyone needed this cleansing in order to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Now, most people, most of us just don't get it. How huge the ministry of John the baptizer was. In our language, John was leading a revival that swept not only across all of Israel, but it was well known and he was well known all across the Mediterranean world. People came by the thousands. They came from Jerusalem into the wilderness. They came from Galilee. They came from the countries around Israel. Jewish merchants and pilgrims from all over the Roman Empire came to hear him on their travels, in their travels and pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Even, we read in the Gospels, even the Roman soldiers came to hear him. So here was John the baptizer, 
the most well-known and sought-after man in Israel. Even Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote in his chronicles, in his historical records, he wrote about John the Baptist and John the Baptist's interchange with Israel and, and with Herod. So, in this massive ministry, in this massive revival that was taking place to prepare for the Messiah, it's no wonder that the Jewish leaders and scholars representing the Sanhedrin sent messengers to question John. Whether John liked it or not, they considered him to be under their authority. They needed to do their due diligence and know whether this preacher was a threat to their established order. What was their question? What was their first question? Who are you? Who are you? It, it was, you know, he, he, he was not just another preacher. They got that. The whole nation was being changed and affected. Who are you? Well, many obviously were saying that he was the Christ. How did John answer? He told them he was not the Christ. Now, that verse is convoluted. Verse 20. It's, it's strange even reading it in the Greek. It says he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. The meaning of the verse is that he emphatically made known. We use the words, read my lips. That's what he was saying. Let everyone in heaven and earth know, I am not the Christ. And so they said, what then? Are you Elijah? Now, why did they say that? Because Malachi, the last, in the last chapter of Malachi, just before it closed the book, Malachi said that God would send Elijah just before the Messiah. That's why they asked him the question. Jesus later said, that's exactly, that's exactly who John was. But on this occasion, John said, no, I'm, I'm not Elijah. John was afraid that they might think that he was Elijah reincarnated. Because he said, I'm not Elijah. By the way, he, was, he looked like Elijah. Elijah spent his early days in the wilderness. He came into Israel to prophesy from the wilderness. And people went to the wilderness to hear Elijah, just like John the baptizer. He was from the wilderness. That's where he spent his early life. He came into Israel preaching, and Israel went out into the wilderness to hear him. Also, he wore a camel hair sroppy like Elijah with a leather belt. Well, if you're not Elijah, are you the prophet? Moses had said that predicted a, a prophet like Moses would come. And he said, I'm not the prophet. Then who are you? You're not just another preacher. We've not seen a prophet like you for centuries. 
The Sanhedrin needs to know. And so John told them. He quoted words from Isaiah. He said, I'm the one Isaiah wrote about. Look at verse 23. I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Now they knew immediately. These men knew immediately. They were religious scholars. They knew what he was saying. Isaiah verse 40, verses 3 and 5. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert the highway for our God. In other words, give him a smooth highway, a smooth road on which he will walk. Every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. You see what he's saying? The rough places, plain. He was to prepare, prepare Israel spiritually for the coming of the Messiah. Then why are you baptizing? Administering baptism was strange to them, even in proselyte baptism. The proselyte administered his own bath. Why are you baptizing? John had already told them, and he says it again. He says he's simply preparing Israel spiritually for the arrival of the Messiah. Let's stop now. Look at this. John knew exactly who he was. But we're going to come back to that at the end. In this passage, we, we see he also knew who Jesus was. The next day, the day after that, the apostle John tells us that John the baptizer is speaking to a crowd. And he sees Jesus coming toward him. Now let's set a context for a moment. You know that right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he went to John to be baptized. Not because he needed cleansing from sin. He had no sin. But it was an anointing for his ministry. It was an anointing that he was the Messiah. The anointing of the Messiah for his great mission. The prophet, priest, and king. He's already been to the wilderness after the baptism. Remember, he went to the wilderness to confront Satan. So he's come back from that. So here's John preaching somewhere around the edges of Judea, maybe in the wilderness. And he sees, and there's this crowd, and he sees Jesus coming by. And he shouts, he makes the announcement, behold, the Lamb of God points to him. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, this is, this terminology is unusual. In the Gospels, John the baptizer is the only one who calls Jesus the Lamb of God in the Gospels. The disciples never address him. Or write about him as the Lamb of God in the Gospels. The Apostle John, as you know, in our study in Revelation, he talks about the Lamb, Jesus being the Lamb of God constantly in every chapter, but not in the Gospel. So why, in this first sight of the Messiah, why did he call him the Lamb of God? Right at the beginning, John is telling the greater mission of Jesus. Now think about it. 
Jesus would make the blind to see. No one, no one did that. He'll make the deaf to hear. He'll make the paralyzed to walk. He'll heal the lepers. Leprosy was the most dreaded disease in, the wor- in that world. It was awful. And Jesus would say, be clean, and leprosy would be healed. And he would stop storms. He would cast out demonic powers. He would raise the dead. It would be easy to say that was his mission. But that's not what John said. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Oh, we can talk about his teaching. We can talk about Jesus' teaching. Here are his miracles. John doesn't mention that. Here's his, but what about his teaching? The Sermon on the Mount is hailed in its ethical and moral teaching by Christians and non-Christians alike. It has been for the last 2,000 years. Thousands of volumes have been written and published about the ethics of Jesus. But that was not his main mission. John spoke of only two truths about Jesus. His being that he was a son of God and his mission that he was a lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God. To take away the sins of the world. Jesus the lamb could only refer to one event. The event of lambs being sacrificed on the altar. This is the lamb that God brought. It's not the lamb that you brought with your family to represent you and lay your own No. This is the lamb that God brought, that God sent, the lamb of all lambs. When Jesus came to be baptized, Jesus did not need, as we said, he didn't need cleansing. This baptism was an anointing of Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. It was an anointing that set him apart as prophet, priest, and king, and Messiah. Now, what did John say? I love this. What did John say? Here's the Messiah come. Wants to be baptized. Well, Jesus, you came to the right place. I'm the baptizer of Israel. But I'll tell you what let's do. Let's wait a couple of weeks. Let's announce, let's make it known in Jerusalem and up in Galilee that the great John the baptizer is going to baptize the Messiah. We'll have a million people here. That's not what John said. John spoke as a needy sinner. He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm the one that needs to be baptized, not you. I need cleansing. He was the man calling on all of Israel to be baptized, cleansed of sin, prepared for the Messiah. And John was saying, Jesus, I need to be baptized. I need to be cleansed by you. John knew himself. You know what? Think about what a magnificent man John was. A prophet known all over the Mediterranean. Do you know what's so hard for the alcoholic? What's so hard for the drug addict to admit that he or she is an alcoholic, that he or or she is an addict? 
It may be that he or she's a well-known business leader, a well-known banker, lawyer, school teacher, coach, farmer. You're a person in position, it's hard to say. I'm a drunkard. I'm a drug addict. John was the most famous preacher in the world at that time. He was in, in, in an exalted position spiritually. And he said, Jesus, I'm the one that needs to be cleansed. This morning, do you know yourself? Do you know yourself? Do you know yourself as one who needs to be cleansed by the Lamb? John was speaking as a God-appointed and God-anointed prophet. He was exceptional in every area of life. Jesus called him. Jesus himself said, John the baptizer is the greatest prophet of Israel. But John said, no, I'm a sinner and I need cleansing. Do you ever think about the truth that Jesus is the Savior? He's the Savior of Abraham, the Savior of Moses, the Savior of David and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel. He was their lamb that took away their sin. He was the Savior of Peter. He was the Savior of John. He was the Savior of Paul. He was Paul's lamb. But in this passage, John, it calls Jesus even by another title. And we can't leave this until we say it. Verse 34, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is a son of God. When John said that, he had not seen Jesus do one miracle. He had not yet seen him make the blind to see or the paralyzed to walk. He only had a word from God. That's it. I thought about this all last week. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus as a son of God who became flesh. We read that he was the word who was with God and was God. He was creator. He was before creation. All things were made by him. All things. And then John doubles down and says it another way. And without him was not anything made that has been made. If it exists, he made it. But John the baptizer had not seen. He didn't see the angels at Jesus' birth. He didn't see as Jesus came to him, he didn't see a gigantic spiritual being. He did not see the glory, the blinding noonday sun glory of the Son of God. He saw a man who looked in every way like an everyday Jew. Yet he called him the Son of God. He was not only willing to call him the Lamb of God. He was not only ready to recognize himself as a decrepit sinner who needed a lamb. He was just as ready 
This is profound. We live for success. We live for exaltation. He was just as ready to abandon his exalted position as the greatest preacher in the world, the spiritual leader of Israel. Look at verse 26 again. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untry. That was a saying heard in Israel in that day. I'm not worthy to be the slave that takes off the sandals in the evening. It's a powerful statement. You see, walking the dusty roads of the first century produced dirty feet. Who washed those dirty feet? The lowest slave in the household. The slave on the lowest rung of the ladder took off the master's sandals and washed his feet. And John was saying, I'm lower than that slave. Is that how we think of ourselves? I'm lower than that slave. So unworthy. John will not be in heaven because he preached hundreds of sermons. He will not be in heaven because he baptized thousands. He will not be in heaven because he became a preacher known all over the Roman Empire. He will not be in heaven because he identified Jesus of Nazareth as Messiah and Son of God. He will be in heaven because he knew himself to be a reprobate. And he trusted Jesus to be the lamb of sacrifice for his sin. So I ask you, and I ask myself, do you know yourself, really? Do you know who you are? And do you know who Jesus is? There's no two people in the world that you need to know more than that. Our hymn is most appropriate. Hymn number 308.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be inside of us and go with us and abide with us. And all of God's people said,